So good morning. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, yeah, we have been in a series called The God of More Than Enough. And uh, we're going to finish the series today. The, the subtitle today is The Journey of Generosity. And we have been talking about generosity, as Jason mm-hmm. was saying. And we've been looking specifically at a couple of chapters out of Second Corinthians. So if you have your Bible with you, and hopefully you have a Bible with you. If we, not, we have some Bibles back here. So you yeah. could... Uh, You've got a phone, you can go to the U version. And yeah, and op- open up to Second yeah. Corinthians. We're going to start with, uh, let me see here, the, it's going to take a moment, but it'll be Second Corinthians chapter 9. Yeah, yeah that's and, right. You're a Bible scholar. towards the back of the Bible. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this has become a big joke to us now, yeah. Are we going back or forwards? Second Corinthians... <laughs> Oh, boy. We've been looking at two <laughs> chapters. If you got in I, here, you'd be confused, yeah, too. <laughs> you've got to listen to past messages to get the jokes. All right. open your. If you're there in your Bible, just hold on. We're going to begin by uh, a little prayer to God. So, thank Father, you, we thank you. We thank you that we do have mm-hmm. your holy written word. Jesus. Lord, here in our, right here in front of us, that we could read it, we could hear it. And we could grow in our faith by doing that. And we thank you, Lord, that you help us to gain understanding of who you are. Give us revelation, Lord, as we look into your word, as we hear your word this morning, who you are and who you made us to be. Mm -hmm. Help us to trust you, Lord, for greater provision in our life. Lord, our desire is to be generous. Our desire is to sow seeds that we could be a blessing to people in this earth. Hallelujah. And so you're a good and generous God, and we ask you to help us to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So in these two chapters, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And these two chapters are specifically about money. People, I can often, (laughs) sometimes you mention money and it's like, you talk about money. Paul talked about money. The Holy Spirit inspired him to write these things. And really what he brings out in these couple chapters is the transformational power that (laughs) generosity has in our life. Like when you begin to give and are generous, you do become a little bit more like Jesus. And there's transformation in your mind and heart when that happens. And so the context to these chapters, though, is that the Jewish uh, Christians in Jerusalem were suffering from famine. They were suffering from famine. They didn't have a lot of food. They were suffering from persecution. And the churches in the region wanted to help them. And about a year prior, they had taken up support and sent it to the, the Jews and the Christian Jews in Jerusalem. And Paul mentions in these couple of chapters how stunned he was at a particular group, the Macedonian church, He said this church was impoverished, like they were so in poverty themselves, yet it was a stunning, shocking at how how they were joyfully giving. It was like, could we please give to help them? They had this overflowing generosity that he said was a grace from God on them to do it, and it was transformational. And so he's mentioning this to the Corinthians now in chapters 8 and 9 because a year prior... The Corinthian church was enthusiastically saying, we're going to also give. We're going to send support Mm -hmm. to the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. But as it turns out, they never did. They had a lot of good intention to give. They talked about giving, but they ended up just not following through, and they ended up giving nothing. Okay, and so I don't know why. 
they intended to give, talked about it, and yet didn't do it, didn't follow through. But I know that this is, can be a common thing for we people, that we've all done that. We've all had sometimes intentions to give, wanting to give, and then for whatever reason, we don't follow through. And I think a lot of the times it's because you just pause and think about yourself and you think about mm. your own needs. And it's like, well, gee, if I, I did one, I, I was intending to buy this, and if I do that, then I won't have enough to do what I want. And so we just start to th- overthink it is really what we do. And in overthinking what I could do with this money instead of giving it, we hold on to it. Mm. And we lose that initial maybe motivation and enthusiasm that came at the moment. There was a spark there to give. But when we overthink it, we tend to hold on to it. And I'm talking from experience, and I know that every single person in here, if we were honest, we would say, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's happened to me too. And so Paul begins to talk to them about what we call the law of the harvest. It's really about sowing and reaping. You're right. Okay. The law of the harvest. And really the law of the harvest is this. In life, we're going to reap what we sow. We're going to see this truth. It's a universal truth in, in scripture. Right. Uh, and we're going to reap more than what we sow because, you know, one seed will produce a lot more than what it, it, one seed can produce it'll multiply and we're going to reap later than we sow then mm-hmm. we're not going to necessarily sow and then eh, the next day we see whatever it is that we've sown into uh, has produced a harvest so we're going to reap what we sow reap more than we sow and we're going to reap later than we sow but this works out in good choices then in our life correct so good choices are like seeds that we sow all right and so ultimately, if we sow g- good things, we're going to tend to see a good fruit in our life yeah. as a reward. And it works the opposite. Likewise, with bad choices, the more we plant bad seeds in, in our choices in the ground of our life, then the consequence of the bad fruit starts to show mm. up in our life. It might not happen immediately, and it often doesn't happen immediately. And this is why people keep doing it, because we think nothing's happening. Yeah. Well, I could do this, and it seems like God's looking the other way. <laughs> but the law of the harvest is applicable, really, in every area of our life. Boy, that's for sure. You, you can't rip people off all the time, sow bad seeds, and then expect, because you're a Christian, which you shouldn't be ripping people off. <laughs> blessings should be, why aren't I giving blessings? You can't ignore your children, let's say, and then expect them to respect you. Mm-hmm. You can't teach and model dishonesty and then wonder why you're working with people without any integrity around you if you're modeling the wrong thing yourself or deceive or lie to others and then still say well god how come you aren't blessing me so we get to decide what kind of seeds we're going to sow in this life that's That's the good part of this yeah Right, because it's that, ap, uh, it applies to every area of your life. Yeah. It applies to your marriage, just like what Pastor Mamie was saying. Your parenting, for sure. Your business, your family relationships. Yeah, it certainly applies to our finances. Now, we're going to take a look at verse 6. Did you find Second Corinthians chapter 9? Yeah, good. Um, Paul reminds the Corinthians of this law, the law of the harvest, And uh, you'll find this even in the book of Genesis, uh, the law of Genesis, sowing and reaping. Each seed produces after their own kind. Uh, I got it. We're here. So true. Okay, God's taking attendance. (laughs) 
we're good, we're good, we're good. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, we'll start off there. Remember this. Everybody say, remember this. Remember this. And he, remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone, will also reap generously and with blessing. Uh, the message uh, is a Bible, but it's, it's not a translation. It, the message Bible is a paraphrase. And let me read uh, what that says. It says this. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. (laughs) And the true thing is Paul's not teaching them about farming. (laughs) Paul's talking about money as the seed that he's talking about and to plant that seed or to sow that seed. Uh, he's, he, again, is establishing this, this truth that is universal, that, you know, you reap what you sow. It's the law of the harvest. Again, if you, if you sow uh, toward an abundant harvest by planting a lot of seed, then your crop will be an abundant crop. And if you sow toward that, you're going to reap that. Just like what we said before, it says if you sow, when you sow, you reap more than what you sow. And you, you reap after you sow. Amen? And really, the truth is, every farmer knows this, what the power of a seed is. You know, it goes into the ground, and then it multiplies. Amen? The return is multiplication toward us. You will reap more than what you sow. And once again, I want to point out that it isn't truth. That no matter what you're sowing, you're going to reap more than what you do sow. So if, you, if you're starting to, you catch your attitude, and I hope the Holy Spirit helps us with our attitude, because if we're sowing an attitude that's bogus, well, sometimes you, you say, what's happening in my life? Well, find out what you're planting. Come on. Amen? Yeah, it's important. So we also understand that, you know, tomatoes. I know the Martinez's, they, they plant tomatoes. And if you look at that little tomato seed, do you know how much that one tomato seed can actually produce? 20 pounds of tomatoes. That's why in the fall, the Martinez, they say, hey, would you guys like some tomatoes? <laughs> <laughs> the wheelbarrow's full. Like, yeah. Everybody needs a tomato. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we have to watch what kind of seeds we're planting. Amen. Because we want a a good harvest. Everybody wants a good harvest. But we have to make sure that what we're planting will produce a good harvest. Amen? Again, once again, Paul's not teaching them how to plant tomatoes. He's he's talking about money here. And uh, here's here's something that I do know is that uh, whatever you choose to keep, that's all you'll ever have. Mm. But what you choose to sow, what you choose to sow, and you sow in faith, you plant in in faith. Well, God is able to multiply that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. He's able to multiply that. Yeah. You know, you you <laughs> you can't multiply. God can't even multiply what you didn't sow, because yeah. it is the law from the very beginning, the law of the harvest. Yeah. So when you 
read through the entirety of scripture, mm-hmm. uh, it seems as though it reveals three overall mindsets that shape the way people handle their money and live. And you really have to read the entirety of scripture to understand Mm -hmm. God and to understand his ways and to have an accurate knowledge of him because it's dangerous to just pick and choose. Well, I read one scripture here and I read (laughs) one over here. Yeah, (laughs) You get really confused and not really understand the whole way that who God is. But from what just this is just what we see but this three mindsets we could say the first one would be this it's all from me and it's all for me Mm -hmm. it's all from me and it's all for me like in other words everything that i have is all mine to choose what i do with right it's all from me like it's all from my hard effort I did the sweat and effort. I put it yeah, in the hours and the paycheck came to me. It's all from me. And then, of course, it's for me, right? And the vast majority of the people in the world, in the world. live with this kind of belief. That everything I have, because look, I sweat 60 hours a week. This paycheck belongs to me. And you know, even among, this is where I'm going to step on some toes, professing Christians. Yep. This mindset often prevails because statistically, if you just look this up, three to five percent of Christians actually tithe and, and give through ten percent as a tithe. Yeah. And the majority, the interesting thing about that statistic is the majority of the people that are in that three to five percent are actually making less money than they said they use seventy five thousand right. dollars a year as a gross. So they said most of those people are actually making less than that. Those are the majority of the tithers. So it's interesting that the people that don't have a lot are the ones that are willing to give. We said this last week. People said, well, I win the lottery, I'll give. It's like, well, if it was hard to release when you were making 50000 guess how how hard it's going to be to release when you've got maybe a million dollars to deal with. Mm -hmm. But so a lot of people just feel like their money, their house, their salary is mine to do with. Right. And the, the hard part about this is understanding the law of harvest because God is saying, well, if you just hold on to it, I have nothing to multiply because you're living from it's all from me and it's all for me. Mm-hmm. And Jesus spoke a parable about this. This is in Luke 12 or 16. It's toward the front of your Bible. Forward, backward. <laughs> just get Bible tabs and you'll know right where it is. Yeah. <laughs> But he spoke a parable about money mm-hmm. uh, and this mindset, having a mindset and motivation that basically it's all mine. Luke twelve sixteen. he told them this parable. He said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no more place to store my crops. Then he said, ah, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Mm. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And so Jesus clearly gives us 
some understanding about how he sees money and how we should steward it, and the it's all from me and for me isn't really what he had in mind. And we found out last week that the second mindset is, is that the first of my increase belongs to God. The first of my yeah. increase belongs to God. Uh, it, we talked about this, and it, we're looking through the Old Testament. We even looked at some of the New Testament about this. The, but there's several verses in there about Leviticus, is where it says the, the tithe belongs to God. We looked at Malachi, and we looked at Proverbs, and Proverbs chapter 3 declares this. At Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. New wine. And Jesus confirmed this in Matthew 23. Again, he confirms it in Luke chapter 11. And this is the mindset that, you know, a lot of people have awakened to that the first of my increase, the 10%, belongs to God. And people are obedient to that. The last mindset is, is this. And if you read the teachings of Jesus, and uh, especially the letters of Paul, too, it's unmistakably, you see that the next mindset is that uh, I am a living sacrifice. Not just 10%, but everything I have, everything I own belongs to God, and I make it available to him. I let him help me with this. This is the next mindset. First mindset is that, you know, I, everything belongs to me. I made it. I, it's all up to me what I do. The second one is then the first fruits belong to God, and the third one is that everything belongs to God. You know, and that I am truly a living sacrifice. And this might sound radical, but it actually is compared to the way the world thinks. <laughs> and remember, our kingdom is an upside down kingdom compared to this world. Jesus didn't think this was odd. You know, he says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Let's turn to that. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And in the gospel, he, he, he's, Jesus is telling, you notice how many times that Jesus is uh, causing a church split by what he says? <laughs> he would say, work for the food that doesn't perish, but delivers the eternal life. He'll, he'll say, you're only following me because you got the food. And uh, Verse 23, 23, Luke 9. 23, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple. And he's saying this to everybody who's following him. He's not just saying this to a pastor. He's not just saying this to an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a teacher. He's saying this to everyone who is following him. We're called to become disciples, amen? He's talking to his disciples here. Everyone qualifies here. He says, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. And then he comes back and he brings it home and he says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose and forfeit their very soul? 
you know, we start off by saying that these are three mindsets about money that you find through scripture. But, you know, my question is, what if it's actually lays out the journey to generosity? Yeah. We start at one place and we grow into the next and then we grow into the next. Yeah. Because what if this is, and I, we believe it is, a progressive mm-hmm. journey that every Christ follower takes. That It goes from the thinking, often you come into church, it's like, well, this is the way I've lived. Mm-hmm. It's all, I've, I've made the money, it's for me. And then you realize, oh, I didn't know scripture says this. And so you start taking steps towards the first belongs to God. And then as we continue on with that, it's you realize, I just like from the scripture that we just read, mm-hmm. losing my life to gain true life. And, you know, Pastor Steve mentioned last week about the two-year-old. You give a two-year-old a toy to play with, and then you say, give me that toy back. What does the two-year-old normally do? Ah, no, mine, you know. And mine. Screaming. <laughs> and that's really, we have to admit, we're all kind of like that at the beginning, aren't we? Yeah. And some of us, you know, we're really working on growing out of that. It's like, no, mine. Correct. <laughs> because why, why does that happen? Because we're born with a fallen nature. That is rooted in selfishness, and yes. it's rooted to go against God. And so that's just kind of not part of that fallen nature. Mm-hmm. Everything is for me, and I don't want to share. And, you know, I just remember our journey. I, I grew up Catholic, and so I remember as a kid, you had these, I think it was a, for a year, they gave you your offering envelopes, and every Sunday you'd go get that little offering envelope out of the box, and my mom would give me a dime or a quarter, put it in there. Mm-hmm. Anybody remember those little offering things? <laughs> it wasn't my money, and I wasn't, we just knew well, you should give something to God. Uh, we were never taught. Never taught, really, yeah. But then after, I mean, when we got married, and we were, we were Lutheran at that time, we'd give something. I mean, we were, like, progressing. Mm-hmm. We'd give whatever it might be, $10, $20, something in the offering all the time. Um, and so we're taking another little step of progression. Right. Into this, and then we were sharing the last couple of weeks how whenever our eyes got opened up to, to tithing, what Scripture said, because no one had really read Scripture to us in church. Right. Which is crazy, isn't it? <laughs> how like... does that happen? I don't know. I remember when we first heard the priest, like, how come nobody? We've been going to church all of our life. Why didn't we know this? <laughs> didn't even know there was a spirit realm. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what? <laughs> and so we learned about tithing and giving God the first fruits. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we took, and it was not at an opportune time. Right. You know, it was going down from two incomes to one income. But it was like really taking that step into becoming a living sacrifice. It's like God began to show us, mm-hmm. uh, this is more than just 10% of your money. I'm actually going to progress this to I want all of your life. Yes. I want to put my hand and my ways and my purpose into all of your life. And so it's a journey towards generosity. And I think this, these steps, even with our money helps us get to this place of you have all of me, Lord. Yeah. Because our money really signifies our sense of security in this life. And what we do with our money, how we handle it, how we see if is God really my source that if I give, will he really re- refill my barn there you go you have to take that step of faith mm-hmm. is what that involves because the destination really in god's mind and heart is to be a living sacrifice 
He makes it clear in Scripture. We just read from Luke 9. It's clear in Scripture. And I do believe that how we steward and give our money is is some pathway to get there. Because every Christian is really on a, a... somewhere on this continuum. You're either starting out of there, or some of you have learned about what it means to live as a living sacrifice, mm-hmm. and you're willing to do that. Uh, you know, and you, with every step that we do, that we're actually moving away from this sense of selfishness and living for myself. Very good. And we're yeah. going to walk out what that scripture was that Jesus said, you know, for whoever wants to save their life, and that's really what you're doing. You're trying to control and save your life. This is deep. It's hard. It's a deep, it's a hard thing to have to learn to surrender. Yes. But this, the surrender means I'm trusting God to be God, to be my Savior, (laughs) to be my Lord. And so uh, it is a progression. It's almost like a, a progression. The journey of generosity is like a progression, not of three steps, but like a thousand steps. Come on now. That's <laughs> right? for sure. A thousand little ones that we take towards this. Like little by little by little, we are surrendering ourselves in trust to the goodness of God. And there are, like I said, some of you that have been on the journey and you've been, you, you recognize the joy of living with a, as a living sacrifice mm-hmm. to God. Amen. And then the joy of the journey of being generous, you know, and, and really some of you have discovered that the tithe belongs to God and you've taken up the challenge and you're obedient. You've, you wrote your tithe check. You know, and what I want to do is just encourage you. You know, this is where, in the only place in the Bible where it says, trust, test me. God is challenging you to test him with your money. That's amazing. You know, I'm asking you just be faithful. Just every time you give, Lord, I'm testing you here and I'm trusting you with it. I'm, I'm on this journey of generosity you know, and there are some of you here, if you're really honest, you, you'd be saying, I see the word it says for me to give, but I'm hesitant. I'm afraid. You know that God can actually work with that? He, he really can. Uh, no matter where you are on the journey today, every single one of us has an opportunity to take another step, another step, another step. We see in 2 Corinthians 9, uh, the next step is going to start with this truth. And the, the journey of joyful generosity starts with a decision. A decision yeah. to sow seed. And look at what it says in verse 6. Flip back over there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. 2 Corinthians is after... First Corinthians, that's right. It's Bible scholars, each and every one. <laughs> Glory to God. Verse 7, it says, Each one must do just as he has, what? Decided. Decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Some of you might be waiting for a burning bush experience before you give. <laughs> I mean, that could happen, but probably not going to happen. <laughs> or you're waiting for this just a, a tidal wave of emotion to come upon you before you, you give. Now, that could happen, but it might not. 
others are waiting for this monstrous raise from your boss, or having the winning lottery ticket, and then I'm going to give. No, no, that could happen, but probably not. (laughs) You know, and I don't think that we're the only ones waiting. No, no, I think God is waiting on us too. (laughs) God is waiting on us just to decide. The decision is based in obedience. Yeah. Again, just like Jason, the the widow woman decided to give. And we know the promises of God. God made a way for her. I promise you that. But this is where God is asking you to test him. And then it starts with a decision. A decision. And that verse, even though it's Second Corinthians nine seven, it says, "What you decide in your heart, mm-hmm. there, you should. We should give what we decide in our heart." And then, so Paul's pointing out that our motive to give it does matter because he says not reluctantly or under compulsion, meaning like you're forced to give. Or all oh, the pastors talking about giving, I have to give <laughs> something. Yeah. But it says each of you should decide from your heart. And this is important to understand uh, the Greek word for heart. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to share this. The Greek word for heart, heart here is cardia. Okay. And cardia, uh, me, it's, you know, we, you could see where we would get our word cardiac heart, but it's not referring to your beating heart. Right. Cardia in the Greek means the center or core of your being. Like your, where your thoughts, emotions, your desires, and your affections flow from something deep in the core of you, in your heart. And this, so he's saying, decide from your heart. It's a different decision. Uh, it's not based on logic. Right. Or intellect alone. Because God will often prompt us to do things that our logical mind will say, I can't do that. Anybody? Yeah. Like when he said, Peter, get out of the boat. Like, walk on water? Are you crazy? Or it's kind of like how we felt whenever we went down the one income and then it was like, we're supposed to tithe. We, we, like, are you crazy, God? Like, what? <laughs> or like but, you, Dave, go to Africa. <laughs> yeah. But he's calling us to make a deep, uh, the decision from the deepest part of our heart, mm-hmm. which takes faith. Because faith is of the heart. It's not just in your mind or Correct. your intellect. Yeah. Because that's actually a different word in the Greek. It's nous, N-O-U-S. To do mind versus heart, okay? Uh, And so faith is of the heart, and that's what God is trying to get us to live by, to walk by Mm -hmm. faith, not by sight, not by my logic, my intellect, because if I do that long enough, it'll just talk me right out of what seems to be difficult, risky, illogical to do. Dallas Willard said this. This is, he, this is he was a prolific theologian wrote a lot of things Mm -hmm. in our generation. He said this, this is a quote by Dallas Willard, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. But the thing about it is what we do, we end up becoming. Mm -hmm. God wants us to become more like him. And we are called to be people who walk by faith. Yes. So our destiny This is who we are to learn to walk by. So this is part of like not overthinking some things. Correct. Whenever the Lord moves on your heart, we have to learn how to follow the Holy Spirit. Amen. And really generosity, this is just one of the steps of a pathway to find that. For sure. Walking by faith and becoming more like Jesus. 
it's a pathway to do that. Now, here's, here's, a, here's something that's important, too, is that the person you're becoming can, in some degree, some degree of accuracy, really, is be predicted by the story of your daytimer. What's on your schedule? Your credit card statements. Your checkbook. If people still have those. <laughs> yes, we do. Cash. Yeah. We have my cash. Somewhere. <laughs> How you prioritize your time. What you do with your money. It's a pretty good predictor of who you're going to become. It really is. It, you know, it's important for us to remember what Jesus says here. He says, he said, for where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. I mean, this is a, ouch, amen. But we've said this before. Uh, we've said this, we are asking God, you know, shock us now. Don't shock us when it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we have time to change now. Yeah, right. Amen? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you might be thinking, I'm barely able to keep my head above water right now, you know, and you're not disagreeing with God's word, you know. It's just, I just don't see how it can possibly work with me right now. I just, I just, and the key is you can't, but God can. Mm -hmm. Amen. Now let's take a look at second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight. Yeah. He knows what you're worrying about. He yeah. knows what you're thinking about. Come on. You know, it, it, this is, this is really pretty cool. Let's look at the next four words here. Second Corinthians nine, verse eight. And God is able. God is able. I mean, I don't care what you're worried about. God is able. God is able to bless you abundantly. This should, this should be underlined in your Bible. Who wants to be blessed abundantly? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do. I do. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, I like that. At all times, having all that you need, you will abound to every good work. That is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. God is able. God is able. If you get stressed out about all this, guess what? You're, you're living in your own strength. Come on now. You know, and we fall terribly short, don't we? But God is able. But I'm afraid. But God is able. <laughs> I don't know how it's actually going to work. But God is able. It won't work in my budget. God is able. <laughs> Maybe you don't even have to worry about that. We walk by faith and not by sight. He's able to bless you abundantly, it says. In all things, at all times, having what we need, that we'll be able to abound to every good work. <laughs> because it's written, what? They have freely scattered their gifts among the poor and their righteousness endures forever. Our God is able. 
Amen. Now, our God is able. Uh, just maybe <laughs> that's the whole point of the journey. Amen. Amen. To bring us out of our self-sufficiency into a place where we surrender to God yeah, yeah. and, and that, trust him. Yeah, and it really is the whole point. We've been saying this every week that that, that would mean that I would have to Rearrange my entire life around God. <laughs> yeah, come on, that's a. I love it. A novel that is the point. <laughs> to prioritize God. Imagine that over all the other things that are happening in my life that I'm already doing that I call to put Him first. Yes, come on. But there's a promise that goes with it. He sees. This is part of our learning to yes. surrender and trust. Because verse 10 of that the scripture says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower mm-hmm. and bread for food. Now see, we, if we believe that God is the supplier of the seed, my salary, that's putting bread on my table, and that if I give, he will also supply and increase my store of seed. Hallelujah. He'll bring it back. He'll refill the barn. And enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I like that thought. In other words, you know, you, the blessings are going to come back to you, and they're going to be blessings to other people. The enlargement of the righteousness and goodness of God will, will go into the earth. Hallelujah. That's what God wants. Yes. He supply, But we have to believe that he who supplies seed to the sower. Yes. That you're only working, your strength that comes to be able to get you up and over to your job is coming from the Lord. Mm-hmm. He's our source. And then when we see that, we realize, oh, well, then he will provide. If as I give, like he's a generous giver, I want to become like him, he'll resupply. I won't lose out on this. That's right. And so it's not an act. Giving is a spiritual act. See, when we give, we're spiritually saying, Mm -hmm. we're worshiping God and saying, I worship you. You're Almighty God, you're worthy. I give you this, Lord, in, in an act saying in my heart, Thank you for all, everything you've given me. I give you back in, in tithing. It's like yes. I give you this so that you can work your kingdom in the earth. Hallelujah. It's an act of worship. It's not, a spirit, it's not some obligation that we have. Right, not a religious you, So if you're hearing yeah. this and you're thinking, oh, just one more thing God needs me to do. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've really missed it completely. That's not at all. Yeah. What scripture is saying it's not an obligation. It's actually an invitation by God to learn to become more like him and actually have generosity in this transformed yeah. state of mind For sure. come into yeah. your life. Think about prayer. If prayer is not a, a religious obligation. It's an invitation to intimacy yeah. with the Father. Yeah. Come on. And it's, it's serving. Serving isn't a spiritual religious obligation it's actually an opportunity to be the hands and feet of jesus right where we are come on you and i are the hands and feet of jesus amazing you know why does god love why does he say i love a cheerful giver because he's one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when you and I decide that we're going to live our life as open-handed givers, 
I'm going to live my life being a generous person. God sees it as a reflection of himself. Mm-hmm. That is powerful. Yeah. That is powerful. Again, I'm going to say what Pastor Mamie said. It says, generosity is not just three steps or three mindsets. It's a thousand little steps on your way. Yeah. On your way to surrender of our whole life. And that's really what Jesus was saying, to give up your life. And he doesn't mean that you just disappear, obviously. (laughs) Give up your life. He just means to let more of his nature, who he is, who... We become new creations in Christ when we're born again. We have to learn about this yes. new nature and then yield to the new nature. And generosity and giving is like him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Hallelujah. son, right? Thank you, Jesus. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And he gave us salvation as a gift. You cannot earn mm-hmm. salvation. It comes to us freely. Think about it. Yes. And then he, I said this last week, and I've been thinking about it all week, that he did say, like, fear not, little flock. It's, my, it's the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's inviting us into his family. Yes. A child of God. A joint heir with Christ. Hallelujah. We're so, going to be taking so communion the, here. The, just, Go ahead. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? We are going to be taking mm. communion, but we yeah. want to just pause. Turn because it, a message like this down. is challenging to your heart and to your mind. But let's remember that Jesus wasn't shy about it when he talked about money. He wanted us to have a solid, confident foundation about how to handle our money and how to steward it. Gosh. So maybe the Holy Spirit is whispering to your heart, step out and trust. You know, God needs our willingness. He's the perfect gentleman. He's not going to make you or force you to do anything. You can come to this church for years and not give a penny. It's not as though you have to give out of obligation. We give because we want to follow our master and be like him. Yes. And so ask God, I just, before we close and have communion, I want you to just bow your head and ask God to show you your next step. Jesus, what is my next step? I want to become more like you. I want to be more generous and open-handed. I want to trust you with my whole life. Help me, Lord to progress in that direction. Yes. Hallelujah. And so we're going to partake of communion, but before we do... Yeah, we want to give everybody an opportunity to establish a real relationship with God. Uh, The first part of our mission statement is to help people know God. Not know about God, but know Him personally as Father and Jesus as Savior. Jesus himself said, this is eternal life to know the Father and the one whom he sent, Jesus Christ. The Bible declares, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's you. You Call upon him and you'll be saved. If you're ready to have your sins forgiven and walk in the light, I'm asking you to raise your hand today, right now, right here. It's just an act of faith. It's just a declaration that, Lord Jesus, I want you. I want to live in the life that you offer me. Thank you. 
Let's all repeat this prayer. I see that. I see that hand. God sees that hand. Praise God. Yes. Uh, everybody say this prayer. And you, and you say it from your heart, okay? Father God. Father God. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. Just as I am. Just as I am. And I declare. And I declare. I believe. I believe. That Jesus went to the cross. That Jesus went to the cross. He died. He died. On my behalf. On my behalf. So my sins could be forgiven. So my sins could be forgiven. I believe he went into the grave. He went to the grave. On the third day again. He rose from the dead. And he is now sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus, I give you my life. I receive yours in return. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. What we want to do in this communion is if you would come down the center aisles and then take the elements and then walk back to your seats. And uh, once everybody is served, then we'll partake of communion together. Amen. Come on, Mr. Brewer. Go ahead. like we need a, a juice. Okay, good. Yeah. Steve, I, I have yours here. So we have in our hands what Jesus described as a covenant meal, bread and wine they have, or this is grape juice, but it's symbolic of the body of Christ 
that was given for us, broken for us on the cross. Mm -hmm. His blood shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And so when we partake of this together, we're doing this as as a way of worship. We're communing with the Lord and we're remembering all the things that he's done for us. And we're also putting ourselves in remembrance that he's coming again. Yes. And so he's with us this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us understand who you are. Uh, we take the bread and break it. Jesus, your body was broken for us on the cross so that we can receive salvation and healing. And so if you need healing in your body this morning, when you break this bread, Consider how his body was broken for you. This is what scripture says, that by his stripes, we are healed and made whole. And so let's partake in the healing power of God. There was another difficulty at the beginning is our sin. Our sin separated us from God. And Jesus provided the way that this represents the blood of the covenant which causes our sins to be forgiven. Forgiven. And when we're walking with Christ, he sees us justified just as if we never sinned. What a remarkable gift. Let's partake. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Help us, Lord, to walk as a body with you, to bring you glory in the earth. We worship you. We thank you for our time together this morning.